top of the week to you, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me at Dan Urban MMA. You can also follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, we'd love if you subscribe. And if you're able to rate our show, probably on Apple, then please give us a five-star review. We hope you're enjoying what you're hearing. And as always, we're going to talk about judging. So head on over to ABCBoxing.com to read the criteria. Dan, this was the last weekend of the year that the UFC took my money. They will not get any more money from you for 2020. Nope. Got to wait until 2021, all four weeks. <laughs> five weeks. Five, five weeks? I think it's five. I said about 40 days, I believe. I mean, 40 days doesn't... Uh, it'd be like 42 days. That's like six weeks then. Yeah. Um, I think that... was it? The 21st? Something like that? I forget. Yeah. I don't know. I know I, all I know is that's next year. That's a, that's a next year problem. That's a whole year away. The whole year away. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I will say this. $65, normally I don't feel like I got $65 worth of an event because, you know, $65 is a lot of money. But this was a damn good event. This was a very good way to close out the pay-per-view uh, schedule. UFC 256, it totally delivered. I think top to bottom, too, even on the free, por- well, free portion, the ESPN portion. <laughs> the $5 portion. Yeah. Yeah, solid prelims all around. I mean... It seemed like kind of every fight from start to finish, they tried to outdo the fight before it. Kind of, yeah. I mean, certainly some fell short, but they were they were all they were all good fights. I mean, there there really wasn't a weak link here at all, yeah. I, and that, I think that's this is this is any sort of original thought or anything like that. Pretty much everybody was saying the same thing. I think we we're all very satisfied, and that's a great thing. Yeah, and because it, it doesn't happen all that often, and this one delivered top to bottom. But nothing could deliver more than the top of the bill, of course. Davidson Figueredo defending his flyweight championship on 21 days rest against Brandon Moreno also on 21 days rest. And they delivered a banger. This was one of the best fights of the year. One of, if not the best fight, this was, this was a ridiculous fight. It was not the best fight. I actually feel definitive about that now. Okay. That's fine. I'm saying it, it could be, it's in the talks. It is not the best. You heard me. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. That was fantastic. But of course, it didn't actually provide a winner. Oh, in my mind, there was a winner. Right, but your mind isn't uh, part of the regulatory uh, bodies or anything official or anything like that. So there's Very no winner. True. Here. Very true. We will talk about though what we think in just a few moments, of course. Just a few moments away. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. Have, have yourself a snack, and uh, we'll be back <laughs> after this commercial. Nah, just kidding. No commercials. Yeah, maybe one day. But let's dive into round one. Like, let's just, I think we could talk about every single round here. Not because necessarily the rounds were close enough that they should have gone one way or the other or that the judges even went that way or not. But it's just, you know, this is a fantastic fight. We could talk about all the rounds. Round one got off to an amazing start here, right? Yeah, two seconds in, we got a spinning kick coming at Marino's body. Like, oh my goodness. I think. Totally setting the tone. You know, Figueredo was trying to get Marino out oh, of there he, quick. He wanted, he did not want to go all five. Well, who does? That's true. But you know what some people do? I think Khabib has made comments like that, saying, I really want it to go all five because I want to just really smash him for a lot. I think that applied specifically to Connor. Perhaps GSP also. G- yeah, GSP typically was fighting uh, in the latter part of his career, kind of a five-round fight. I, I'm sure he was trying to finish, but sometimes he was a little more conservative than he might than be he sadistic. Be. But, but to focus... On this fight in particular, I don't want to get too tar- too far up top because this fight was again it was a banger. I'm gonna keep saying banger all night. That's gonna be that's gonna be my word for this one. All right, that that's a good word. Uh, it is, it is. 
but yeah, fun back and forth round. Uh, surely Figueredo landed the much harder shots. Uh, but Please don't this, call me Shirley. <laughs> but this round definitely gave Marino the confidence that uh, you know he can take these shots and fire his own back. It wasn't landing as hard, but I think this definite 10-9 Figueredo round and the judges agreed. Yeah, this was an easy call. You know, all three judges got it right. That was uh, Sal D'Amato, Derek Cleary and Junichiro Camillo. Nobody was straying here. It was it was a very easy round to call, I think. I mean, it was close, especially when you look at the uh, the strikes landed numbers. We're talking about 29 strikes landed compared to 28 strikes landed in favor of Figueredo. But, I mean, anybody watching, it wasn't that close because the way Figueredo landed was so much harder, so much more impactful, so much more effective. That I mean, it was plain to see to everybody that this was a round for Figueredo. And, and yeah. even when things are competitive, they're not always quite so close. And I think this is a good example, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, clear, but close. Mm-hmm. Round two, though, I thought actually this was closer than the first round. I definitely have a, a person in mind who I thought won, and that would be Figueredo. But I do see this one as, as a pretty close round. What about you? I thought it was close, too, but I thought... Again, Figueredo was landing harder, even from the bottom when he got taken down. He's the one actually doing the offense. I agree. So, I I saw this as a good one for him. So I mean, good elbows from the bottom. I mean, so DC. I I don't know what you're talking about, but uh oh, DC. Yeah, he he just loves the takedowns. So <laughs> I mean, there were two takedowns from Moreno, and and to give him credit, one of those takedowns was actually a pretty good impactful takedown. It wasn't like a total slam, but it was it was a good solid takedown. Right, he got taken down good into side control, but then ate an elbow to the face. So hmm. I kind of didn't really weigh it that heavily. I know Sal's good, and, and he's the one who dissented here, going for Marino. And I, I, I trust his view. I just didn't see it, really. Yeah, I didn't see it uh, necessarily either. But again, this was a close enough round that, you know, you have to defer to the judges sitting cage side here that if it's a close round especially, and one of them saw it one way, you've got to understand that maybe there's something they're hearing or seeing. There's some, something sensory that we don't have sitting at home from our angle that maybe Sal had from his angle. Maybe he had a better yeah. look at, you know, the eyes of Figueredo when Moreno lands or something. You know, maybe he could see the reactions to some of the body strikes and things like that. I noticed, So I understand why. I noticed a couple of times uh, Sal was kind of directly behind the action. Where, mm. So it's like fighter in a straight line, kind of. Uh, sure. Moreno, Figueredo, D'Amato, and... You know, in that sequence, Marino's throwing a jab or something, and Figueroa's backing up to avoid it. Maybe he thinks he's getting hit with it. Who knows? Uh, and of course, and of course, they do have monitors there that they can use. They, you know, judges, most good judges would prefer to use their eyes. Yeah. Uh, when they can, but even you know, just think about this: like if you're looking away from the action down to the screen, there's like a, a just a, a split moment there that. It's entirely possible you could miss something impactful. Also, who knows if if the screen may be on a delay, like a split second delay. I mean, I would have to think that in the arena, it's it's pretty much one to one. I've been in the arena before and I've seen the screen. I mean, you've been to a fight. I mean, like, I mean the, just the screen that's up there. It's it's basically one to one. Right. I'm not saying in a uh, I'm not saying in a uh, intentional way. I'm saying just regular techno technological latency. Perhaps sure. There's, there's a split. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a bunch of reasons for sure. Uh, you know, we're, we're only speculating, of course, you know, who, who's really to say, but when you do get a close round like this, as, as we see here, I'm certainly not bent out of shape that this round was split. Um, I, I don't think it was that big a deal. Yeah. And also I'd like to point out that, uh, Figueredo was warned for an eye poke 
in this round. Oh yeah, that's right. So there was that eye poke. It was kind of like an eye rake, right? Yeah, he's he's framing on the face, and I guess a finger went into an eye. So yeah, a little, a little sloppy with the fingers, a little sloppy with the fouls, as we'll, we'll get to momentarily too. <laughs> um, but but you know what was kind of nice nice about uh, referee Jason Herzog here is he reset the fight back down, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it actually ended up putting Figueroa, as they noted, uh, the commentators noted, to kind of put him into more of a full guard position as opposed to having the the feet on the hips there. Yeah, which I guess I think that probably benefits Marino. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was like almost like a slight boost to him. I don't think that's intentional on Jason Herzog's part, but you know, when, when you're fouled like that and all that happens is just a little bit of a break and a warning, I have no problem with that happening. No, I, I don't I don't mind. I think it's just so slight punishment. I think Marino also had the option to start on the feet if he if he chose. Is that right? I think I think that's what they were saying on the broadcast that he had the option to stay on the feet, but he could have he chose to go back to the ground because he earned that position. That's what he wanted. Okay. So. Well, who was saying that on broadcast? Was was it? Uh, was I believe it... Anik. I believe John Anik was the one. Okay. Was well, him it, so... him I trust a little more. Yeah. If Rogan I said agree. it, I, I, I almost have to look it yeah. up just because he said it. I, I want to say it was Anik. <laughs> okay. But I'm not positive. So always fact check Joe Rogan. <laughs> I love Joe Rogan. I I. I can't get enough of the guy he makes fight night so much fun for me i really don't. i'm not saying he's not fun i'm just saying you gotta fact check him he fact checks himself Let's... no he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> don't get me off topic that's a different story oh man but round three though let's talk about this one i i, I want to talk about this one actually in a little bit more depth because this this was a challenging round for me and the main reason is that foul yeah the the delay in the action that always the foul, throws me of course, off. being the yeah. uh, like a just basically a straight shot to the you know the pills. Yeah, if you watch WWF when the ref wasn't looking, this was the low blow that was given. It was, it was. You know, I've been watching uh, WWF Attitude Era going way back and like <laughs> kind of blitzing that. And uh, you know this this kind of reminded me of a of a gold dust kick to the uh, oh yeah kick to the groin. <laughs> when they, when I feel like he was he was real good at like just that like straight kick to the nuts. Yep, that's what this was. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. Look, Figueredo's not sitting there aiming at it, but he clearly wasn't controlling the weapons there, and it went right into Moreno's. Uh, you know, like I said, and I mean he's dry heaving down there. That was <laughs> yeah. a really awful one. <laughs> that was a bad, bad foul. That was so bad, and and really uh, nobody, no official stood out more on the evening than Jason Herzog in the way he handled this because he deducted the point right away. No warning, nada. That was it. He kicked him that low. The damage was there, and he took a point. That's great. I mean, you, you got to take a point there. That was a heavy damage. The man's yeah, yeah. He's I mean, dry even, like you said. It can be for intent or it can be for damage, as uh, you know, many officials who've been on the show have reminded us before and, and talked to us about. Yeah, I, I'm just so glad that there was no warnings here. It was just yeah. straight up. You obviously damaged your opponent in a way that could impact him later. You've lost a point. And it, the people saying, oh, what? It's a title fight. There should have been a warning. Blah, blah, blah. No, I'm, I, I've never been a believer of this in any sport. Back in the day, Kevin Garnett would not get called for fouls because it was a big game and he's a big-time player. They'd always put it he's on somebody Kevin Garnett else. Alone. So, but I'm, I remember, like, I'm just using him as an example. That was how NBA was. At least that's how I viewed it. Certain guys would get a lot more leeway in big games just because of who they were. And I, I, I mean, don't agree true. with that. I do not agree with it. And that's the thing holds true here. This was a bad foul. Just because it's a championship fight doesn't mean they get any more extra warnings. They've already had their warnings in the, the locker room. 
They know what's yeah, up. Yeah, you want you want to encourage champions to be able to cheat to win? Right, exactly. I'm not saying Figueredo was cheating here. He, I don't think he was intending to do that. But, you know, if, if you put it out there like, no, we shouldn't be taking points and, and deducting in foul situations and championship fights, it's like, well, okay. Then I guess it's okay to just throw the rules at the, at the book, you know? Yeah, perfect perfect point taken, and it, it, it had to be taken. If it didn't get mm-hmm. taken, I think it, I think it would have been much worse if there was no point taken. I, I would not have been happy if it did. And I because I actually tweeted out and during that break there, they kind of it was about a two minute break that yeah, in, in a situation like this, Jason Herzog can take a point because of damage. It doesn't have to be intent. Yeah. And it, it, so I was really glad so, to see he did it. Yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. But because of the nature of that break there, which happened, it was kind of what about a minute and a half left in the round or so. There really wasn't yeah, too like, much left. Yeah. A long a lot of time had passed, but it was a two minute break in action and me sitting at home scoring, having now watched it again a second time today, I think I just had a total like lapse in judgment where I for, I mean, I don't know if I forgot, but I clearly downplayed the success that Figueredo had in those first three and a half minutes or so. He was really lighting up Moreno Ripping in most the body. of that round. Ripping the body, good combos to the head. It, I thought he was clear cut for that first portion of the round. And then, like you said, you get that break and then you kind of misremember. And what happened is Moreno... Had a very good post foul round. He did. He, you so, know, it wasn't. You know, he, he had like one really good shot, but he also had a couple of other good shots too. And Figueredo, uh, he just didn't. He seemed almost like thrown off after that. Yeah, break. maybe a bit gun shy. Marino just didn't answer with the same oomph. Uh, for, yeah, over the course of the round. And, no, he didn't, and and it definitely didn't make up for. You know, upon further review, it did not make up for all of the success that Figueredo had early on. So while watching live i scored this round on my totally official like <laughs> unofficial card uh i had this one for moreno the first time dead wrong all three judges had it right for figueredo here so while it was a 10-9 for figueredo on their cards the point deduction actually made it a 9-9 yeah that's what i had i had 9-9 on rewatch and i had 9-9 on uh first watch as well yeah i know you did you you were better than me sir Kudos to you. I'm the champion. You <laughs> on this particular line, I think you were actually. I think you had the right card. Um, but yeah, on on my card, watching live again, this is this was a flawed score. I had it. I guess it would have been what twenty eight twenty eight. Yeah, you would have twenty eight twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. So I had it a draw at this point. Which yeah, I mean, we ended up obviously having a the the fight coming out as a draw. And it was, but it wasn't because of this round, obviously, like I said, all three judges, they saw it right for Figueredo. I'm the one who was wrong. It's okay. We all make it's all right. We, we all, you know, I'm, I'm not trained in this. I'm an amateur. <laughs> I'm an amateur guys. I won't hide from it. So I got 29, 27. Uh, and the other judges have it. What do they got at this point? Well, Sal D'Amato has it 28 all because he had Moreno win round two. Right. Okay. Whereas the other two have it the same as you, 29-27. Or, yeah, 29-27. Beautiful. Round four, no question here. This was a Moreno round. This was much closer on second watch, I thought. I thought you did. I thought this was a, a close but clear round, as we say. Okay, yeah, I, I think that's uh, a fair assessment. But if someone said they wanted to you know, go Figueredo, I could see an argument for it. I thought okay. it was much closer than originally I thought. I still what, go Marina. Why don't you just break it down for me real well? Because obviously you have an interesting uh, take on this. So why, why don't you uh, 
preach, he, my friend. He was hitting. He was still landing his combos. He was landing good body shots, good combos. And the reason I really think Marino wins this round is because I thought Figueredo was in danger of getting finished at one point. Okay. That's that's what it was. When he started, these, uh, Figueredo started this round really good. And then it just faded pretty much i guess he started most of these rounds really well he can't you know he he kind of tends to do that i think as as especially as the fight wore on it got a little harder for him i mean he actually another thing that helped that actually i thought i saw he blows his nose in the middle of the round so i'm like oh he must have got stung in the nose but then i was like oh no don't blow your nose man i don't want this fight to end because your eye blows up uh didn't happen it did not happen but i what i did notice it and i got nervous for you know for my sake of not seeing the fight conclude of course <laughs> but yeah, I, I you know, Marino's round. I just thought it was closer than I originally thought. Okay, all right, fair enough. But of course, we all agree, though. Like you said, close but clear Marino yeah, round, right? And yep. all three judges had it that yes, way, sir. so there was no drama here. This actually, if you go by the numbers, this was the round with the most strikes landed. Each man landed forty-three total strikes. Okay, so I was pretty even. It was dead even, but yeah, I actually do think Moreno was the one landing the more impactful ones. Yeah, the one, yeah, the ones that. This know, was I, the one round where it was that was the case, and I think it stems from the the momentum he built up in round three, the second portion of it. Yeah, it's so. true. It's almost like he, you know, he's like, man, I I feel my mortality, having <laughs> just been kicked this hard, <laughs> but now I can take anything, so I'm just gonna get it, dish it out. I'm mad. I want I want you to feel it. Yeah, no one's stopping me, but. Head to the final round. The the final round here, and this was another split round. Don't see it. But this one, I tried to look at it from the point of view of Junichiro Kamijo, who gave this round to Moreno. I just can't see it. I mean, this was the slowest round of the fight, and understandably it so. It totally was. Yep. At this point, both guys have smashed each other hundreds, maybe hundreds of times at this point. Uh, well, over a hundred. Yeah, times. to this point, each yeah. one had landed over a hundred total strikes. Yeah. So. I get it. They're a bit tired, but they are. The pace slowed significantly. Uh, Moreno does basically next to nothing for about two and a half minutes. His output Figueredo's is not doing down. too much either. No, but he early on he has that kick to the body that's blocked, and you notice he starts playing with his arm afterwards. Moreno, that is. Yeah. So you're like, okay, the, even though it didn't land to the body, it still hurt his arm, and it's now he's not throwing as much. So, yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I think Moreno did okay was in kind of the second half of the round. There, he was landing some really good short shots. Uh, I probably didn't put too much weight, and I thought Figueredo was still landing uh, some bigger, you know, the bigger punches. No, no, no. I'm not saying that he was taking it back, but I'm saying as far as his effective offense. And again, I was, I was kind of trying to watch this the second time as like, how can I see? Not even, not exactly. How can I see this from Moreno? But I'm like, I'm trying to see why. Junichiro Kamijo would have given this round to Moreno because yeah. I first when I watched it I was like really and you know I try not to go crazy with it the first time I see that because or you know but the first time I see that a round was different than me especially when I really thought it was one way because hey I've been the a-hole before <laughs> I was I was the a-hole around three so I want to make sure I give it its due I you know and and look into it so I watched this round again and yeah I mean as far as the success for Moreno goes I think it was probably some of these shorter shots that he was landing um kind of counter shots okay and and I they were landed okay okay but you really didn't see much of anything from Moreno in this round again he landed 12 times compared to Figueroa landing 16 times according to UFC stats but I mean everything Figueroa lands is much harder 
Right. Uh, and especially in that final minute, I think he on the ground after the takedown, the Figueredo got the only one he had, of the well, not the only so, one he had, but the, probably the best one he had of the whole yeah. round of the whole fight. That one, he follows up with like four or five ground strikes that are all like super hard. Well, that's, that was my thinking. I, I, on second watch, you know, you get, you get, you remember things you forgot about. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think in my head without watching it where, you know, what could it be? And I thought maybe he saw something Marino did in the clinch that he had for a few minutes or not a few minutes, a, f- a few seconds. And then I, I watched it again. I said, oh, Mike, wait, Figueroa dumped him on his head with a judo throw straight to side control and just bopped him until the bell rang. Oh, yeah. And so those are like, hard. Yeah. Like you said bops. But like even in that clinch position that you were talking about, Marino, he's, he's landing some knees, but, you know, they're not really big knees. They're not like these loaded up knees either to the legs. None of them are anywhere but the legs, too. So, you know, if you actually look at the breakdown of strikes, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I mean, forget the numbers, even. It's it's really just passing the eye test. And Figueredo landed much harder. Yeah, I think, I mean, we all, we all speculated round three was the one that was going to be the swing. So it's kind of shocking that this round was the was. It's funny. A determining and, factor. And obviously, yeah, we were speculating that it was round three at the time, but but now having watched it over again and realizing that yeah. a lot of that comes from what we already discussed, not, we don't need to rehash it, but mm-hmm. yeah, round five, I think is, that's a really tough one to defend. I'm looking at it, you know, from my perspective. Yeah, that's a hard one. I think, I mean, I think Figueroa has, you know, pretty clear four round victories here. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so too. You know, on on rewatch, you know, round round two again. That that one's close. I can see it, so I can understand why it'd be more like forty eight, forty seven before the point deduction, which would then get it down to forty seven, which is what we had on two cards. So I, I would say the card that makes sense to me, the two cards that make sense to me, I should say, are Derek Cleary's the forty eight, forty six, which Bruce Buffer announced as forty seven, forty six, confusing the heck out of everybody. Yeah, Bruce. Come on, Bruce. I'm on your side, Bruce, in this war that Scott has against you. Joe Martinez. You're making it very hard. He's making it very hard. And it's clearly, it's not clearly. And Joe Martinez gets all of the the judges' names right, too. So I'm pretty sure the judging contingent would be on on, uh, the same side as me. Bruce is just such a rock star, though. I don't don't think Eric Colon and Sal D'Amato and Derek clearly would appreciate... Having their names butchered forever. I think they're going to get tired of it and they're going to rise up. Well, have we ever gotten confirmation? Is it D'Amato or D'Amato? Oh, wait. Well, that's the thing. I'm pretty sure it's D'Amato. I actually don't know that. But uh, he kept he keeps seeing Sal D'Amato. Okay. I think and, it's D'Amato. I mean, my understanding is he is from Italy. He was born in Italy, uh, just as my great-grandfathers were. And uh, shout out to Italy. But over there, they wouldn't say D'Amato. Hmm. All right. All right. But, you know, getting getting away from Italy and back to Las Vegas where this fight happened. uh, Yeah, I have a lot of trouble seeing the Camillo score in round five here. And and it's unfortunate because as a result, that was what shifted this from what would have been a majority victory for Figueredo to a majority draw. Now, I'm not opposed to this being a draw. No, me neither. Because I do understand uh, Sal D'Amato's card. Yeah, Sal, Sal had a good card. Derek Cleary had I a think good card. Fine. He had the I same card as I the did. Right one. Yeah, Cleary had the right one as me. Uh, yeah, so, kudos to you. You had it right. So I, but I think the fans do win here because we're going to get to see this fight again. You know, we do. We do in that sense. I, you're right. But having thought about it now, 
I don't know how much different the second fight's going to go, other than I think Figueredo's probably going to be able to do even better. I that's, that's where I'm going with this. So I almost, yeah, I, <laughs> that's funny. Um, sorry to steal your thunder, but yeah, I just, <laughs> I, I think we'll have fun watching the second fight, but I I could imagine this being a situation where, because again, if you, if you take away, first of all, all you have to do is take away the foul, which obviously changes the nature of the fight. But if you take away that foul, this is a win for Figueredo, where he either wins four rounds or three rounds. And no and one we're complains. saying it probably should be four rounds. Right. And and no one no one would complain about that. You and and if that happened, as fun a fight as it was, we wouldn't be saying, Oh man, they've got to run it back. We'd be like, Exactly, man, Moreno looked great. He's a winner out of this. He doesn't lose, even though he lost. But you wouldn't run it back as a as a title defense. Right. So the first fight with Benavidez, Figueredo looked good. Second fight, he looked phenomenal. Amazing. So now that's how I'm thinking this is going to go. He only had three weeks. He had a big, we already know the cut's a, a tough portion for him. So he had to make that cut, you know, so close back to back. We learned that and he they were went saying, to the hospital. Were they saying after the fight that he has like an illness? He got sick. He went to the hospital the night on Friday night at 2 a.m. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning this so, during the fight. They didn't mention it at all during the fight. They, they just saved it for the end. Like, what are you doing? Anik said, uh, there was rumblings of it and they didn't want it to dominate the broadcast. So they kind of downplayed it. I mean, I guess that's, that is responsible of them, but there's also, why don't we just confirm it? <laughs> but, I mean, the journalist in me says, if you hear something like that, why don't you look into it? Yeah. So I'm saying, I think Figueroa's going to look awesome in, in the next rematch. Marino could too, but a full camp uh, to study and, and get better. And to let your body recover and then, you know, do a cut in a proper amount of time, I think it, it only favors Figueroa. And it, and it might be the brutal god of war that we're, we're really used to. Dustigera. <laughs> or as I, I like to call him Kratos, because I'm pretty sure he stole that from, well, not stole that, but he was inspired by the god of war video games that I love. He's got the because red even, if, I mean, if you look at his hair, he's got the red streak through it. Yeah. And it's bleach blonde. I'm pretty sure he's trying to make it look like Kratos. Guy's a gamer. I hope he is. <laughs> I would appreciate that. God of War PS4. If, if you're a gamer and you haven't played this game, please do. Awesome. Guess I'll. You you haven't played it yet, have you? I, I haven't played a lot of games. Yeah, well, I you're start a loser because you don't play video it. games. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not everyone's blessed as you to get that PS5 right out the gate oh my god i and i'm so glad that it wasn't stolen off a truck in like some daring raid have you read about this by the way i bet people have done that it's it's happened in like england it's like it's like fast and the furious style stealing video games who knew they were such hot commodities i think we all knew that new consoles were hot commodities come on what are you talking has about? it ever been like this i don't know if it's ever been like this well 2020 has been a quite a year sir that's true everything's <laughs> <laughs> a little different <laughs> but yeah you know, I don't I don't think we need to make our fight of the year picks right now. I think we'll save that for, you know, maybe in a week or two. Yeah. When we, we don't do have a, any live fights to be talking about. But I will say this was definitely a top five fight of the year. But the reason I would say it definitively is not my fight of the year is the fact that that round five was much slower, much more wound down. Right. And there are so many fights this year that we're just forgetting about or that people are for collectively forgetting about. Where that didn't happen. Bell to bell, 25 minutes, craziness. Yeah, man. They were probably contenders for like round of the year in this fight, but I think this one was just short of that. But I'd say probably conservatively somewhere in the top five. I think it's definitely top five. I think when we when we, when we figure it out, it'll, it'll settle in the top five. 
Yeah, probably right. We'll, we'll have to see. But yeah, definitely, it, it can't beat some of the ones that I'm already thinking of. But again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chamber those, save them for a little later. All right, yeah, do that. Mm-hmm. But I will say this: I, this was a, a funny little stat that I kind of came up with actually just before we started the show. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but Davison Figueredo headlined 10% of UFC events in 2020. They had 40. They had 40 so far. All right. There'll be 41 after next week's 2020 finale. Who would have thought a flyweight would be the headliner in 10% of UFC events in a, in a single year? After a Who would have thought that Davis and Figueredo would go unbeaten in those? Uh, we're, we're, nobody was talking about him at the end of 2020. Not that he wasn't successful or, or like a rising prospect or not a prospect, but a rising contender in the flyweight division. But it's not like anybody was talking him up. Was his loss to uh, who was it? Formiga. Formiga. Was his loss? Was that in nineteen? I believe it was at the early part of twenty nineteen. I think I want to say March. Okay, so that could be because he came off a loss and they had such a such a long layoff before he fought Benavidez. Well, no, he had, he had won another fight in there. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. So so okay. So he beat or he lost to Formiga oh, by he decision. Did, he did. Okay. In March twenty nineteen, right? Right. Ah, oh, I see. Okay, so he beat uh Pantoja and Tim Elliott. After that, so yeah, he picked up a couple good wins. He should have been uh, because he was active last year and he was active this year. It's just the way they promote that that division. They really can't, don't care for it at all, and now they're no. finally realizing they they got something. Well, I think they need they always needed somebody that was going to resonate with fans and, and be someone that they could try to sell. And I am a big defender of Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, and I I think it is an indictment of the UFC's promotional abilities that they weren't able to turn Mighty Mouse into at least a modest pay-per-view draw. Can we do figure eight versus Mighty Mouse? <laughs> My understanding is that uh, DJ doesn't want to fight at flyweight anymore. He's he's done, and he feels pretty good in, in one, that this is kind of like his last stop. Is he going down, or is he, or is he going up? Oh, he's going up. He, he oh. So the way it works in one is he is he fights in their flyweight division, but the way they do it is... That means he fights at 135. It's essentially a no oh, cut. I like that. Okay. Yeah, it, it's something they did. They had a they had an incident several years ago. I believe they have hydration tests. That's why. Well, they do, but the reason they instituted these is because a fighter. I'm I'm gonna have to fact check myself uh, in real time here, but I believe a fact uh, a fighter actually died as a result of a weight cut. Silly weight cut. Silly about a death, my friend. Why, why why do we cut weight? It's so stupid. Yang Jianbing, a flyweight from China competing in one championship MMA promotion, died Friday. This was uh, several years ago, suffering complications from a weight cut. He was 21. There's, uh, kill yourself. This was 2015. Weight. It was it was almost exactly five years ago, actually. Just, uh, people perform. We've been they've been proving themselves that they perform better when they don't cut a lot of weight and they fight. I know. I know. Hey, we talk class. about this all the time. I'm a big proponent of it myself. So good for Mighty Mouse then. I didn't. I did not know that uh, their flyweight division was one thirty-five. Yeah, that's the way it works. It's always a division up. So like when when Ben Askren was over there fighting at welterweight, he was actually technically a middleweight. So what is what's heavyweight going up to then? Two seventy-five. I can only assume that it's unlimited, or wow. they do two sixty-five because nobody's cutting weight. And yeah. well, not nobody, but most fighters are not cutting weight to heavyweight. Tim Sylvia's not fighting there. <laughs> So he just needed to get himself in shape. <laughs> Bob Sapp, I don't believe, is fighting in one. Okay. But, uh, all right. So that's good. I like their weight cutting thing. But, uh, I do too. But hey, we, you know, we've strayed off the beaten path. We were, we were here to talk about UFC 256. Let's refocus ourselves. We don't have too much more to discuss because I think, on the whole, 
and I would say even the main event included, albeit my qualms with round five, uh, I thought this was a well-judged event. Yeah, there's really we, up until this fight, we really didn't have much at all. No, our show was going to be pretty bland and boring uh, from a <laughs> judging perspective. Thankfully, the the title fight gave us at least something exciting and, and also a couple rounds to discuss. But yeah, we do have one lightning round. I think we, we can just kind of breeze through this pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase Hooper in the curtain jerker of the night, he actually got a round three heel hook victory. Beautiful. But in round two, this was a split round after Barrett, his opponent, Peter Barrett, had already won the first round unanimously. In this round, Chris Lee thought Hooper won, whereas Mike Bell and Tony Weeks saw it for Barrett. Did you see it for Barrett or Hooper? No, this was a Barrett round. I mean, Hooper was on literally on his last leg. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think this was a pretty easy round for Barrett. I I don't think it's the worst round that I've seen uh, turned in from Chris Lee lately, but obviously it, it kind of unfortunately continues the trend of uh, Chris Lee having these descents that we're, even you and I are having a little bit of trouble finding uh, the argument for. I mean, uh, that doesn't make it wrong because again, as I pointed out before, we're amateurs. It could be that we're judging the mental and Peter Barrett's fight IQ is just in the gutter. I, I don't get it, um, but it's neither here nor there. That's it, true, and, and honestly, mental. it didn't matter anyway because Chase Hooper took everything out of the hands of the judges and, and got that heel hook because he was going to lose a decision anyway. He was going to lose that decision. and uh, Unless he got some sort of 10-8 round. That that really was the only way it would have been, but uh, yeah, he took it out. He had that heel hook. He looked fantastic with that with that finish there. Yeah, mainly because Peter Barrett has the lowest fight IQ I've ever seen, um, but yeah. We got, we What's got your a, fight IQ? Any good? I know that I respect subs. When my leg is tangled up, I'm not going to sit there and just hope that he doesn't get it. I'm going to actively try to get out of that position. All right, that's good. So it's higher. Than yeah, that. that was the only that was the only kind of uh, you know split round that we had as far as that goes. The only other round we really had here was a one for the 10-8 watch in which we examined rounds that were split. Could have been a 10-8 or a 10-9. Uh, and then this one came from the Cub Swanson second round TKO over Daniel Pineda round one. No doubt that Cub won it. But the question is, was it a 10 eight? Tony Weeks thought it was a 10 eight. Sal D'Amato, Mike Bell, Mike Bell, of course, being the, the resident expert on these 10 eight rounds. He's always pushing for them. Uh, and they both saw it for a 10 nine. Did you see 10 nine or 10 eight? I went for 10 nine. Okay. Uh, I thought Pineda looked really good throughout most of the round, and I, I he was probably going to get the nod on my scorecard until he got dropped and waffled, and Cubs stole it from him. So I don't think you go from losing ten nine to winning ten eight. So ten nine Swanson. What I will say is I do agree with you that it was a ten nine, but I think it is possible to go all the way from a ten nine one way to the ten eight the other way. I just don't think it got there. Well, no, I I don't think Pineda was that far gone. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I also don't think Pineda was that far ahead. I think he was winning up until, yeah, probably, what was it, the last, you know, two-ish minutes of the fight where Swanson really came on? He started to come on a little bit, and then he came on strong in the final minute. The one thing I'll say, though, in, in Tony Week's defense here is that if you have enough diminishing blows, you can call that a 10-8. Uh, I suppose. He, it, he was I mean, smashing it, him. The, the criteria does seem to, in my understanding, call for that as something you can do it's in your disposal if you so choose uh if you if you assess it in that way but i did think yeah i just didn't think it quite got there i'm all for more 10 eights uh, however i know you are 
I feel like we don't see as many 10-8s from Tony Weeks either. He, he's obviously, he's not in as many uh, of the fights that are judged. He's typically on kind of some of the the uh, the more undercard fights. We haven't seen him as many, uh, you know, headliners or anything like that in recent well, years. Well, obviously, Scott, he gave a 10-8 because he comes from boxing and he got a knockdown in the round. Oh, yeah, So he gave true. him a 10-8. No, yeah. <laughs> These damn boxing judges. Get them out of the sport. Yeah. Dom Cruz. Tony Weeks actually has a very good uh, descent percentage this year. <laughs> we'll talk about all that stuff, you know, later. Obviously, we talked a little bit about it last week, uh, but yeah, Tony Weeks actually is is pretty good with that. Yeah, and I was joking, people. I'm sorry. I don't, oh I don't yes, make of sure. course. We're we're uh, we're being silly here, folks. <laughs> Just being silly. But that was it. That that was really only rounds that we had to discuss. I, you know, I think we should obviously highlight again not just the fact that the judges did well, but let's highlight where they did well uh, on this particular evening. Tisha Torres getting her round two. Well, technically it was a round one TKO. It was, it was a stop between rounds over Sam Hughes because Sam Hughes said she couldn't yeah. see. That was a showcase And someone fight. hurt her. That was a showcase fight. That was. Torres looked fantastic. But she did get round one, 10-9 on all three cards from Cleary, Dave Hagan, Sal D'Amato. Gavin Tucker, he got 30-27s all around against Billy Quarantillo, Hagan Lee, and McCarthy, Ron McCarthy. Cyril Gon got the round two TKO over Junior Dos Santos, as I sadly expected to see. Uh, but he also got round one on all three cards. Mackenzie Dern, she got 29-28s all around. Rounds one and three for her over Virna Janjiroba. I think I that, believe it's actually Janjiroba. It could be. But I think because that because as as much as as much as you could tell that John Anik takes great pride in his pronunciations, and I know he works really hard on me. Had him on the show. I did see several Brazilians uh, on Twitter disagreeing with the pronunciation. Well, here's the thing. John works off of an audio file provided by the fighter themselves, how they say their name. And that's how he gets the pronunciation. So if someone says true, it's true. I want to find, I'm going to, I'm going to scour YouTube at some point. I'm going to see if we can find out how she says her name. I want to hear it myself. Uh, But I do want to say, I think this fight was the uh, best scored fight of the night. Best scored. And, 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 clarify what you mean i think this was they got it absolutely perfect so you're saying that the other fights weren't perfect well no they they got them what right but say? i'm saying this was this like was I'm such a clown a, here to amuse you <laughs> this was such a tougher fight you know and they they nailed it i do think this i mean i don't know i thought i thought actually a lot of it was kind of clear cut i mean look we're highlighting how they did good job yeah. everybody we're, we're, we're not nobody did better than better it's just, we're good. I think, I think and the so. other fight of course the the co-main event of the evening charles Oliveira. 30-26 is all around over Tony Ferguson. I don't think anybody saw that particular scenario coming, but you know, good job by Mike Bell, Eric Colon, and Ron McCarthy. They all gave round one 10-8, rightfully so. Absolutely. And that was it for the the, the decisions and, and rounds and things like that. Favorite finish, though. We have five TKOs or KOs and a sub. What was your favorite? Well, I, I bet I know. Yeah, of course you know. Uh, Chase Hooper's heel hook in the third round. Of course. Kid, kid capitalized. He knew the only way he was going to win he was get it to the ground somehow. He didn't even do it through a takedown. Got the oh, I love th- I love third round comeback finishes of any type. So yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with picking this, especially when it is a heel hook. Yeah, leg entanglement. Uh, we learned that he was working with Ryan Hall afterwards, and Peter Barrett completely ignored it. Ate I don't know how many shots to the face before he got his leg uh snatched up. Hooper kept making small adjustments the whole way, and it, it was only a matter of time. And Peter Barrett, I, I don't know what he was thinking there. But what was your favorite finish? 
it makes me sad to say this. It actually hurts a lot because I was right. <laughs> Kevin Holland, straight KO of Jacare Souza, but he did it from off his back. That was, I mean, we're talking about potential KO of the year, right? He has the KO of the year. I think this was much, I think this is better than that Buckley spinning kick. Uh, we'll say we'll say the debate I, between Joaquin Buckley and, and Kevin Holland for another day. But I will say this. That was just amazing. I, I Kevin Holland did highlight that Nico Price did something very similar to this. Uh, he, I, I remember. It I, yeah, you remember? Nico was using his foot as a hook against the guy's face and was pulling it into him while he's hammer fisting it. I can the picture it in my face. head, but I can't remember who yeah. the opponent was or even when this happened. I, I don't remember who it was against, but that was pretty ridiculous too. I have this kind of foggy image in my head of Price doing this to somebody, but I can't exactly imagine it. But I think this beats that, at least the memory of that. Yeah. This, this is this was well, just remarkable. And and the, the fact that not only did he do this to Jacare, who is hard to put away, you know, he's been knocked out, but he's also taken some real good damage and kept going before. Uh, but also he did this while being totally fearless from his back attacking Jacare with subs he earlier in the sub round. Him. That would have been something if he subbed him. Well, obviously, that would have been that's like you're talking about like submission of the year. That just would be somebody he did it against, yeah. right? Finish of the year. That would be if that, good. yeah, yeah, if he had done that. But nonetheless, amazing job. That was that had to be my favorite finish as much as it kind of stinks because I think that you know, I, I'll tell you what I really didn't like was afterward, everybody's starting to, you know, they're doing their like death lists now and speculating about who's going to get cut from the UFC and all this stuff. And like, obviously, I'm you and I have thought about it too, but uh. I just hate to see it. It's like people are just like waiting for the bloodletting. And now people are saying that, oh, Jacare could be someone they cut. I hope not because I think he's proved that he is still someone that attracts eyeballs, comes to fight, provides good fights, whether they go his way or not. And I think he could still fight most of the top guys. Well, it's only a talking point because they came out and said they're going to cut up to 60 guys. But Dana, Dana responded and he said, listen, this is every fight card. There's always going to be cuts after a fight. So it's really it's nothing true. new. It's, it's just... true. And and not only that, I mean, typically every year they do um, call the herd, so to speak, and, you know, not to be too, um, too flip about it, but yeah, it, it's just the way it works. You know, older athletes or athletes who've been struggling, they get cut from teams all the time. We watch team sports. This is normal. You know how many people get cut from NFL rosters right before the season starts. It's, it's a lot of people. It's hundreds of people. Um, I don't like it, but I also understand that it's something they're going to do. What stinks is just how much they're uh, you get the sense that it's, it's really just like cutting back costs to make it even easier to keep fighter pay down. And I don't want fighter pay to be down. I want fighter pay to be up. It should, should be, up. it should be pay the fighters. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We'll be back again on Friday to break down the final card of 2020. I am hoping Kevin Holland is fighting Chimaev on that card. I'm just glad that we're at the end. I need a break. <laughs> I need four weeks off where I'm not talking about live fights or, or that's what I'm doing with my Saturday night. I love watching fights, but you know what? Break's okay. All Welcome. right. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back on Friday. Take care, everybody. We'll be